Okay. My name is Brad. I'm an alcoholic. Okay, first off, um, let's, let's start, since, you know, there's so much about six and seven step in the big book. Let's um, follow in sponsor's direction. He goes, well, why don't we start and do the um, seven step prayer together and get us into this thing, and then we'll see where it takes us. So on page 76, I'm sure everybody here knows a lot more than I do on this stuff, but it's on page 76. It starts, my creator, I am now willing that you shed off all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in my way and my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. There you go. And I'm a big prayer, pray guy. So first, thank you, Pat. I really appreciate it. And I got a phone call from Pat where his name doesn't even come up, so that's how much I talk to him. But I answer the phone all the time, and this guy comes in and goes, Hey, Brad, this is Pat LaRue. I go, dude doesn't even know me. Um, Do you want to speak up at the retreat? Uh, Okay, whatever. So I'm sitting going, how's this guy asked me to speak? He doesn't even know who I am. So the first thing I do is I call Flo. That's been trying to get me up to this retreat for like the last five. I got a ticket for you. No, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. So then I started thinking, scary thought, but I started thinking, how did Pat pick me? So I started going, oh, I know. It had to be Brian and Dan and Craig because I talked to Brian and he was kind of goofy on the phone and I figured he had something to do with it. But I'm very grateful, and if I suck, it's their fault. So I just want to start by saying I grew up in one of the roughest areas in L.A. I'm like fifth generation born in California. Don't have to get that much into our drug thing, alcohol and drug thing, because we've all done it, and we do it pretty well, I guess, or we wouldn't be here. But I grew up in a town, a small town called Pacific Palisades. And one of, those, one of those rough areas where the cops drove you home when they found you because they were scared who your parents were. So it was, it was a nice place to grow up. I'm very grateful that my mom picked that place. But, you know, I mean, I took, I'm, not a good, I'm not a reader. I'm not the note person and all this stuff because I can't spell or read. You know, he said you had a hard time with this um, comprehension. I, I fall in all those places. I mean, I started smoking pot and second grade. My brothers were six and nine years older than me, so my mom worked full-time. I was a kid in high school parties that was running around doing all this stuff, and they thought it was cute getting them high and drunk and all this kind of stuff. So we got all this stuff, so we move along to when I got older and I started working, I was a dishwasher at the chart house, and I was up to a lot of other different things. I lived in my mom's house, so my mom had full priority of everything that goes on in the house. So I was a dishwasher at the chart house, and I'd wake up, and there'd be two or $3,000 sitting on the um, table. And she's going, there's no way you're getting this from dishwashing. And, and there wasn't. I was up to a lot of other stuff, and I was doing very well at the time. So turns out I had, my mom moved out. My mom moved and left me the place in the Palisades. 
So as a senior in high school, I had my own place in the Palisades. So it was out of control. And thank God I did a lot of that other stuff because it brought me in the program at an early age. I'm very grateful for all the other activities I got into. So we're going to bump up because we've got to speed it up a little bit. So I got a lot of different activities, and we were moving down to Orange County. And I'll, I did end up with a scholarship out of high school. That didn't go because I was making too much money doing what I was doing. So I was supposed to go to Boise, Idaho State. I like Leonard Skinner, and my mom said I had to pick a college, and I had good enough grades, and I sent one application out, and they accepted me. So I I got scared, didn't go, because I said I wouldn't make that much money, what I was doing. So we're moving down to Orange County, because that's where all the computer stuff was going and all that stuff, even though I hated computers. And I got in a car accident. My mom and dad got divorced when I was three years old, never really saw my dad, full-blown alcoholic. So when I got in this motorcycle accident, I was already on my own. I wasn't talking to my mom, couldn't stand her, and all that kind of stuff. And um, so my dad came and bailed me out and brought me up to this little town called Lompoc up north. And so my family is like one of the oldest names in that town and all this junk. So I'm up there, and I'm so grateful because I never knew my dad. And by this time, my dad died of this disease at 48. He drank himself to death. But when I was up there, I got to hang around with him the last couple of years and pay his bar bill at Jasper's. Once a week, I'd go in there, and he just there'd be like four cronies there, and they'd play this dice game, and they only made drinks and these kind of things. And I got to help my dad out, you know what I mean, and find out about him and all this kind of stuff. And I buried, buried him, you know what I mean, and he was only 48. It didn't stop me drinking or anything like that. By this time, I've weaned myself off all the other junk. I had three things in my fridge. Coors in a bottle, pyramided all the way up with milk and eggs. You know, but I smoked enough pot for about 30 people, I found out later. So this, I was up there and all this, and I'd have my friends down in the Palisades where I grew up. So this one girl this one time came up, and this is where I got sober. She came up, she was a model, gorgeous, and all this stuff. And she's telling me how proud I was. She was of me that I got off all this stuff. And she's the one good. But people don't buy quarter pounds of pot to just smoke. That's not normal stuff. And with all my other junk, she goes, that's just changing one thing or another. I didn't know anything about AA. didn't know anything about all this stuff. But she goes, I want you to come down and stay with me this weekend. I'm thinking she loves me. You know what I mean? I'm full. It's gorgeous and all this stuff. So I go down to this family, and her sister's there too, just hot as hell. So I'm in this house with these two girls. I think they love me. She was in the program for like 90 days. So she thought of me. So it turns out they're my angels. So they take me to this meeting called Cedar Cyanide on a Sunday. I don't know what AA is. I'm miserable because now I feel like I'm getting trapped into something. I'm sitting on the top of these stairs going in the rooms over there, and there's hundreds of people going to this meeting. And I'm on the top with my knees on my, my elbows on my knees, just with my head buried, and everybody's just going by going, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. And she took a chip for like 90 days. And this girl knew all my insurance and all this stuff. And by the end of that weekend, I went to New Beginnings, because I was going to do anything she wanted me to do. And I turned myself <laughs> in to New Beginnings in Ohio, And... 
so it's progressing. I'm going through these one, two, three steps and all this junk and doing this junk. And, and this lady, Peggy, I'll never forget her, love her to death. And she called me in this room and she goes, what do you want out of this thing? What do you expect out of this thing? And I remember saying, I didn't say get rich, get this, have wife, kid, nothing like that. I just said, I just want this shit between my ears to stop. That's all I asked, you know, is what's this stuff to stop? She goes, you take these steps, this stuff will stop. So I was all for it. And she knew I grew pot in the mountains and did all this stuff. And I was 26. And she goes, you know what? She goes, if this doesn't thing work out in five years, you'll still be young enough to go grow all your pot you want. And be, me being the stoner I was, I go, wow, that makes sense. You know, I, I'll give this thing a try for a while. So I had to have a sponsor up in Lompoc. I didn't know anybody in that place. And I had two numbers, and I called this guy Joe. And he was supposed to be here this weekend, and I love him to death. And a lot of my family and our family knows him and all this stuff. And he had problems with his um, brothers in the hospital. And this guy, I don't know, he probably has around 40 years of sobriety now. So I had 30 days. He had about 40 years and stuff. So I go into this meeting, and meanwhile, my uncle's a judge of this town for like 30 years. So everybody in the goddamn meetings, my uncle put there, you know. And <laughs> so me in 30 days, I'm going to this meeting in Lompoc, and I thought it was smart to say my last name. Not a good name. And um, he was working with me. Joe's working with me, and he did everything he'd do to help me to feel comfortable. Because I got in this room, and I sat in this chair. And there's just old people like me sitting there. I'm 26. I'm going, I'm fucked. This, how do I end up here when everybody here is 50? I'm 26 because Lompoc's a small town. It was just a bunch of old drunks. So we get in these things, and now i got to do the steps over again because now I'm with somebody else. I go, no, I already did these things. Let's go on. No, we do the steps over again. So we're doing steps one, two, and three. So I get this God thing going on, so now I'm healed. I'm feeling good. I want to get back down to where that girl was. So I was working at this supermarket called William Brothers up there and all that junk. So I called up this company called Gelson's. They were kind of tied. They were friends. So I got a job, and I moved in with her. You know what I mean? And I'm going back down there, and she's my roommate and all this stuff. So now I'm down there, and I need to find a sponsor. So these two girls take me into this place called um, Kelton on a Monday night, and I love this meeting to death. And they find Flo, and they go, Flo, want you to sponsor this guy. I'm scared to death. I think 90 days or something sober. Flo didn't want to sponsor me. I don't think he's ever had, he was like a year, a little over a year, but Flo was all social and all this stuff, and the two girls are hot. So Flo just listened to him and said, okay, I will, <laughs> I'll sponsor him, right? So Flo took me under the wing, and then once again he goes, we're going to have to do these steps again. I go, dude, I just did them. Now I've got to do them all over again. So, so God was telling me I had to do steps one, two, three a few times to get this thing because, you know, I'm slow. So we're doing these steps and all this stuff. And Dave, thanks for sharing. Gordon, I love you to death and all this stuff. And so now I'm getting near a year of sobriety. And I haven't done my fourth step yet. I'm still doing this stuff. And then finally Flo goes to me. He goes, dude. You don't even have a credit card. How much shit can you have? And I finally did my, 
finally did my four step because I was scared to death because I didn't know how to write. I didn't know how to spell. I didn't know how to do all that stuff. And I didn't have that much wreckage at 26, you know. I was brought up on karma because anything I did wrong, my mom said, don't worry about it. It will come back to get you later. You know what I mean? Don't worry about what I think or anything. You'll get taken care of. You know, I mean, you're talking about what you, when you said you did that to my mom would have shot me. I mean, that's true. It would have been over. I would have been done. I mean, that's, they're ruthless. And so I carried that in there, and Flo and I did this step. I did, I think, more writing there than I ever did in school. And then we were in UCLA, and he lights his shit on fire and just lets it go all over the grass and stuff. And I did, that hurt me more than the writing, I think, because that was like the most work I think I've ever done. You know, and I'm just going. So he writes all these character defects down and all this stuff. And he's, I'm a little slow, so he helped me out. And he puts all these things, and it was kind of really cool. And we're getting into six and seven. And then I'll tell you how many times six and seven has changed for me over the years. But he put all my character defects, you know, lust, anger, you know, pride, gluttony, sloth, all of them on these index cards. And every day I had to pick out a new index card and whatever word came up, I didn't have to actually correct it because I wasn't going there yet, but I had to be aware of it. And step six is first being aware of all our character defects. So Flo's always kind of gave me on-the-job training because if he would have brought it down in the book and the 12 and 12 at the time, I'd been lost. He had to always tell me to do something. And then all of a sudden I hear people talk about it in the meeting. I go, shit, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm doing that. I didn't know I'm doing that, but I'm doing that, you know? And, and it's just like with the God thing. I see all these steps. I'm going, oh, my God, I'm back in school. This sucks, you know? I couldn't handle the church because I couldn't read that shit either, you know? And I'm just going, this, I'm lost. And Flo goes, no, it's easy. Just take your shopping cart back. You do whatever you could do with any conversation you, you have with somebody. If you leave and they leave with a smile on your face, you did God's will. If you see somebody lost, you put them in the right direction and you help them. And God will form inside you. Don't worry about any of this. You just do this thing. You call four people a day. You do this and you do that. And everything will take care of itself. I go, cool. He's not having me study all this stuff. I can do that. I can follow those directions. And you know what? I'm a slow learner, but I did that. And I did that. I've been sober since day one. And my sobriety date is May 8th of 1988. And... I followed his directions, and we were going through these things, and then we were roommates, and we got into hockey. He got me my first bookie. He taught me all kinds of things. He taught me my character defects and how to get rid of them forcefully, footwork and all that stuff, because I don't like gambling anymore. I learned my lesson, but you know what? We did this stuff together. We had season tickets for hockey together for like five, seven years at the forum. He's my brother. I love him to death. So he got married and had a kid. So after five years, he said, you can't kill yourself till you're at least five years. And then that's what kind of like Peggy says, if you want to go grow pot, wait five years, you know. So now suddenly I'm five years sober. I found out not at the time I didn't think so, so... I took a hostage. Not the one that got me sober. She's my angel. I took another hostage. So Flo got married. I got married. 
Flo started having kids. He had a couple of kids, so I had three boys, or I didn't. That'd be pretty tricky, but my wife had three kids. She's from Santa Clarita. So we came up here, and we bought a condo up here after the 94 earthquakes. So we have these kids, and all of a sudden, now I'm up here. I hated the rafters when I came up here. I'm going, dude, I come in here three times in a row, and the dude's talking about the same goddamn car, because I know sobriety on the west side kind of thing. Yeah, right. So, because I was seeing the differences because I was changing. So, I came up here. Then Flo would be coming up every weekend to bring his kids. And we taught the kids how to swim. I took care of his kids and all this stuff. And Flo followed me up here to Santa Clarita because Susan wanted a house and they're a lot cheaper up here. So, the big deal, we get into our sixth and seventh step. We get all these character defects. I'm doing the deal. In the program, at least I think I'm doing the deal. So now I'm 10 years sobriety. I'm going to a lot of meetings and all this kind of stuff. And then they slack off. And thank God for John Bowman. I, I love him to death. He's my bud. He had a meeting on Friday night that had child care. And I used to pile my kids to that child care. And my ex-wife had like eight years of sobriety. And then she decided that she wasn't an alcoholic anymore. I told her it wasn't a good idea, but she had to do what she had to do. So it started turning at about 15, 18 years of sobriety. This is meanwhile, we bought in four houses. We got every boat, Lexus, everything. So we this final move we made, we're in a 3,000 square foot home, 18 by 30 foot pool in the back. I'm doing the deal. I'm doing the program. I'm doing all this stuff right so I'm doing all this stuff, and my character defects aren't happening and all this junk. And then John, the only meeting I'm going to is John. John reminded me of the West Side. He reminded me of the old school sobriety that I knew and all this stuff. And Flo's up here, but Flo was always Flo. He's over on the West Side. And he's flowing all over the place. So I remember it was, it was two, two days after Thanksgiving, married... Three kids, married about 15 years, I think, 12 years. Two days before my natal birthday, I'm sitting on the couch with my kids running around. My ex-wife, my wife then told me she wanted a divorce. And I'm sitting there, so now I'm sitting there not working the greatest program. I've done the steps, at least I think I have, and all this stuff. And I get up, I walk outside, and I reach in my pocket, and I have this shitty piece of paper in my pocket, and I pull this thing out, and I call my first sponsor, Joe, up in Lompoc. I haven't talked to him in five, six years. The dude answers the phone, and I told him, I go, I'm just not even, I didn't smoke at the time. I picked up one of her closed cigarettes, and I lit it and went outside and smoked. I haven't even had the cigarette halfway, and I'm on the phone with this guy. And this guy shared a story with me that he went through the same kind of thing And the stuff, and I wish he was here because I'm not going to share his story and all this stuff. But what I'm going through and what he went through with family members, it happened in his thing. And the craziest thing you could imagine, you're probably close. And he goes, Brad, he goes, what are you doing? I go, not much. I'm not going to too many. He goes, you know what to do. He goes, I want you to go tomorrow, go to the meeting around there. And you find somebody and you grab them and you just do the steps. And you find and get connected. I woke up the next morning. 
<laughs> and I go into stepping stones. I follow the directions. Tom Moore's sitting there, right? Gordon's sitting next to him, and Spencer's there. And Tom was cracking jokes, having a good time, and I'm going, I lost my identity by then. I lost who I was. I did not, I was sober. I believed in my higher power, but I lost, I was starting all over again. And this is what's key about six and seven. So I go to Tom. I go, Tom, I need some help. I want you to help me. Tom Moore's an ass. I mean, straight out. He just, (laughs) I love him to death. He straight out goes to me, he goes, come here. So this stepping stone to Canyon Country had this little room, right? I'm 18 years sobriety. Him, Spencer, Tom, and they go to Gordon, come here. Gordon, I think, has about a month of sobriety. I just want you to watch this thing, right? (laughs) So they take me into this room, and they put me up on the pedestal up here in front, and they just start drilling me and drilling me and all this stuff, and I'm going... Oh, my God, I'm 18 years sobriety, and you guys are destroying me right now. And I did what they said, and Tom helped me, and I'm going through this divorce, and I'm talking to Flo and hanging with Tom, and I'm going, Flo, what am I supposed to do? Because Flo knows my ex-wife since she's been this big, knows all my kids. And Flo goes, whatever's left over is yours. Don't fight anything. Everything's hers, and what she gives you is yours. And Tom agreed. So I'm going to go, can I ask for the TV and the stereo? And they go, you can ask and see she gives them. So all of a sudden, Tom, being the sense of humor we are, we go up to this house, and I'm talking, and she's already moving crap all over the place. Tom goes, wow, you're really losing a nice house and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Just let me have it. He goes, wow, this thing is huge. You You know, I'm already beat to hell. And my helper is just kicking me in the teeth. And I'm just going like this. But the sense of humor was there. And I needed that. And I lost all that stuff. And we were doing this thing. And it's so funny how everything in my life was taken away from me at this point. And I was worried about my three boys. That's all I worried about. I didn't care about her. It was over a few years before that, you know. And the one thing that did bother me, though... She jumped over the fence and got a girlfriend. And Flo, Flo's wisdom, goes, Brad, would you rather have another guy throwing your kid a football? You got it made. You're dad. You don't have to worry about no other dude throwing the ball to him. And you know what? That was perfect. It worked. I was dad. I coached football. I did all this. I didn't have to worry. And I'm a better cook than them, too. So, so. We're doing this stuff. So now I'm hanging with Tom. And he, I'm living in an apartment. He goes, no, no, we got to get you something. So Tom takes me up to this lily of the valley place. The only time I've ever seen a mobile home growing in the Palisades was on TV. I didn't even know what a mobile home was. And all of a sudden, he takes me to this end thing. He goes, Brad, this thing's perfect. I'm going, no. He goes, no, this thing's perfect. So I bought the goddamn thing, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting and thing. He leaves me. I'm sitting and thing. It's windy. I'm scared to shit. The whole thing shakes and all this stuff. And I'm going, what am I here? And I remember thinking, I'm going, God, if I knew I had 20 years of sobriety, I was going to end up in a mobile home, I would have asked for my bong back. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, 
But that's not what the program's about. That just was a, a thought. You know what I mean? I'm just going, that's just a thought. So, Tom, Tom, I love him to death. You know, I, I go, Tom goes, let's do a book study thing. And I go, oh. the first thing I think is reading. I go, no, we'll do it like Dan's meeting. He uses a tape. And God bless Dan. I love him to death. Because Dan got in on this whole crap of me going through a divorce. And I walked to his Thursday night meeting. And like you, I had the coffee commitment, I think, like three years. Oh, no, you're doing it again. Oh, you're doing it because he knew I needed it. And I did it. And I just did what I was told. But I found out that this sixth step is willingness. And the seventh step is humility. And I thought in my first 15 years, I did the steps. I did that. But I got caught back into the materialistic things of this whole world has. Of I got all this junk. I had everything. I had shit I didn't even want. I mean, I had a boat. And I hate lakes. Ocean. But I bought a boat because everybody else in Santa Clarita had a boat. And I hated the goddamn thing. You know? And... So we get this, we get this thing, and, and Tom's helping me, and I love Dan, and Dan's helping me, and all this stuff, and I've lost everything now, and we're kind of arguing about these kids, and God bless, my wife is so selfish, and she wanted to do her things, because I ended up getting all those kids, and program has, it's been hard, program is hard, my sobriety has been hard. But nothing's hard. There's lessons to help others. That's what this whole thing is. God is teaching us lessons so we can help the next person experience. So I'm going through all this stuff as experience to help others. You know, because Tom's always telling me and Flo's always telling me, no, they're lessons. We're going to be okay. So I'm going through this stuff. And you get step one and two that Gordon talked about just awesome. I just was going, oh, my God, that's Gordon. I'm going, okay, I got to follow him. Yeah. I got going, oh, wow. You know what I mean? And, and I wish Craig was here. I love him to death and all this stuff. And he goes, Brad, don't worry about it. I had to follow Sandy. And I go, okay, you make me feel a little mellow and all this stuff when he spoke. So, and um, I just, I got so much more stuff in sobriety than I ever did. I got so many lessons to teach others, you know? And so step one and two that Gordon went through is six and seven sober that I never really realized it because I was too caught up in the materialistic things and chasing everything. And then also now at six and seven, you're sober. You got God and you're doing all this junk. Might as well look. I get caught up in myself, you know. Um, and we get, we're doing all this stuff. And we get caught up with what everybody thinks we're supposed to have. Growing up in the Palisades, I learned a lot of bad lessons. Try growing up in the Palisades and be the only kid that lives in an apartment building. Go over to Ken's house and they have bowling alleys in the house and shit. Yeah, it's some weird stuff. <laughs> I'm very grateful I grew up there. There's no doubt. I saw a lot of cool things. And I got a lot of money from that place, too. But... The whole thing in this program I missed. Flo taught me correctly. Flo gave me the tools. But I missed out on the God part 
applying it into my life with the willingness to change my character defects. Because you know what? I like a lot of them. You know what I mean? I mean, they're what I brought up on. This is what I survived on. This is how I learned to live was with these character defects. This is my survival tools. So all of a sudden, I'm supposed to like take opposite actions and all this stuff and of my character defects? Some of them, I will. So now I'm finding out over the years, it's okay which ones I don't want to look at because God will keep on placing these same things in same situations differently in your life over and over, at least for me, over and over again till I'm ready to change them. So don't worry about it. If you don't want to look at them, they're going to come back. If you don't look at something, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. You know, and some of them I've rolled with, and I still do. But you know what? Since I've gotten back into this and lost everything in my life but God and my sobriety, but I've gained love of my friends that I care so much about, that ta- that um, Tom got us going. We started this meeting at my house on Sunday, a book study that I didn't want to do. Let's make that clear because I don't want to do anything that has to do with reading. And we started this thing with four people. And I love people. My job, I think, in this world is to do my very best to make people comfortable. To make people comfortable, they're going to hear something and they're going to learn. So we started this. So the best thing for me to do that is I do it through food. And I love cooking. So we started this family tree sponsorship thing at my house on Sunday in this mobile home that I can't stand. And we're doing it. It took me three years to get used to this thing. I love it now. You know why? Because I love it because God's there and my family's there. You know, and we started this meeting and it's gone from four people where I cook for 30 to 40 people every week that come to my house that's all related sponsorship-wise that is all we eat for an hour. Because, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity. This is me that I don't care how many years anybody has or if they have more or less. We learn from each other. So as soon as I think I'm above anybody, I'm cutting myself an opportunity to learn something new. And with this, and I, and I try to explain that with my, my, our group. You know what I mean? I have a hard time saying my meeting at my house and all that stuff. I, and Dan's teaching me. Just, it's okay, Brad. It's okay. it's okay to say stuff like that. But I don't like it. And I have so much... people that show up for me and love me and they say I help them and I don't understand it because I'm just do what Flo told me to do at the very beginning is do whatever you can do to make somebody else's life simpler, easier, nicer, comfortable so they can learn and get this thing. You know, people ask me to sponsor them I go, dude, let, let's wait. I'll bring you over to my house. There's 30 people you could choose from. You know what? And you know what? Maybe there's someone you connect with. I don't have to have the answers. I don't want the answers. 
I want to learn. You know, that's why when I, st- I hung out with Dan and Flo over this last week, I go, dude, I don't read books. I don't t- quote things. I, I, I told Cain right before the thing, as soon as I start reading, I'm back up here. I don't want to be up here. I I'm, I'm, don't want here. I want here. If I read, I'm here, in here, and I just go, you know, so this humility thing, you know, the more humility thing we learn in here is the closer we're getting to God, and I'm finding that. And it's taken me forever to figure this stuff out. These last four or five years basically been one of the roughest. Bringing up three kids with one income by yourself is hard with no help or anything. But you know what's so bitching? You guys have raised my kids. I mean... What I think of Reed grabbing his legs and just, who's his buddy? The kid's playing running back at Cal Lutheran and scored two touchdowns in the last two games as a freshman. He'll probably start this year. And he's 200 pounds, deadlift 660, and squats 400. And this kid was just, I, my kids are awesome. My other one wants to be a doctor, and they're at my house. And I've always said, because I grew up, by myself, my parents worked, by my older brothers. I said, if I ever had kids, they didn't ask to be here at all. They didn't. So whatever the means is that I have to do to get them off into this world in the correct way, the best of my ability, I do. And so if they need to stay, I do whatever. I, I, my life is my family here, God, God, my family here, and my kids. That's my life. Everything else is put aside. I have moments of all my character defects coming up, but yes, I'm working on those still. But you know, this program helped me to also walk through the hardest thing I ever did in this program. And some of you know my son, Michael, my 18-year-old. That was you, Dave. He was you at 18. And it busted all my walls up and all this broke windows and all this kind of stuff. In my house, and the hardest thing I ever had to do, I mean, I'd call the cops, and the cop goes, that kid needs to be taken around the corner and the ever-living shit beat out of him. No, that's what the cops would say to me and all this stuff. And I go, you guys can do it. I don't see nothing. You know, I don't care. <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, they, so the cop, once again, because I don't know what to do, he told me to go get a restraining order on, this, on my kid. So they took him to jail for a night. I went down there during the day. I got a restraining order. And I remember on a Sunday night, I had my arm around Todd, and we're on the top of my cul-de-sac. And I had to watch my 18-year-old son with a red marble bag, and I got the other one here, and a red duffel bag, walk to the riverbed and go live. And I kicked him out of my house and put a restraining order on my firstborn. And I would not have been able to do anything like that if it wasn't for these men. I mean, Flo changed that kid's diaper. I mean, it's, it's, the kids grew up in this program. And it don't matter, it don't matter what we think we teach them and all the principles and all the good people we put in their life. It doesn't matter because our peers hold a lot more power than I thought with the first one. I thought the program was going to ride that first kid, you know? And after 
I found that out with the first one. He has his own God. No, 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 no. And I let him choose everything. And yeah, that's a good thing. But the second ones, I coached a little more football, looked around who the parents are hanging out with, and got involved in his friends and paid attention to their lives. And these two kids came out a little better. So if there's any suggestion, yes, they all have their own gods. But you know what? They also need a little more direction than I gave the first one. And I learned, and I'm, it's sad that he had to be the um, p- problem. I mean, that I had to learn from him, and he, I still talk to him. He's not ready for the program yet. And you know what? How much time do we have? How am I doing? See, we're doing okay, right? Okay, well, I'll get it going here. So, okay, so we've got to be willing of all these character defects and all this stuff. You know, justifiable anger. You know, that's, I still like that. And I, I mean, I remember when the first did the steps and I go to work and I'm a union person and these guys would all get the same pay as me and they were lame. And I'd come home and complain to Flo and Flo go, go do the serenity prayer. Pray for them. You know, and I'd go back and I'll, I'd pray all day long, you know, about how lame these people were. And Flo goes, hey. <laughs> I go, Flo, why don't, Flo goes to me and goes, why don't you get next to him and teach him and make him a better person? So I took the advice. You know what I mean? And I had to change my character, what I think I know in this stuff. And the um, humility of all these things, I didn't realize it was connected to God. Because the closer you are to God, and the closer that God's in your heart, the more you're going to be able to change when your character defects come out. The more you're going to be aware of them, the more they're going to melt away because your stomach's not turning, as somebody else was saying earlier. And so when your character defects are coming and you're walking with God first and God is pointing these things out and you're not acting on them, they start holding less and less power. You know, and I have a long ways to go. I mean, like Flo and I were talking, you know what I mean? I mean, there's, um, no, so we were sitting there talking about, okay, first on like step six, it's stuff, it says, you know, here on page 68, it says, if we gain any advantage in the use of this step, on our problems other than alcohol, we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness. We shall need to raise our eyes towards perfection and be ready to walk in that direction. We seldom matters, it will seldom matter how haltingly we walk. The only question will be, are we ready? So, you know, that walking in the direction that's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I'm not perfect, but I am going in the right direction, and I'm willing to be aware of it, to change, and all that stuff. And it's very important that we have to recognize these things. And step six is being aware of all these character defects. You know, And that's why anybody I'm working with, when they're doing their little flashcards, because I still do it, I have them text me what word they pick out every day. And it's amazing how much practice I still need. You know what I mean? I see this stuff. And I mean, you did a lot of fear. 
I'm working with two guys. They both text me fear on the same day, and I'm going to the dentist that I hate. You know what I mean? And in a half-hour drive over there, I get fear twice, and I want to let them touch me unless they novocate me out. You know what I mean? And I'm just, I'm scared to death of the place. And they both, it's weird how this stuff works. So it don't matter if you're one year, two year, 30 years. Long as you're willing to change and grow and walk in the right direction, we don't graduate. And that's what's so bitching about this place. We don't graduate. And we can hear what people say, you know, because if you're with God, you're listening, you're aware. If you're up here, you want your point, you want to say, you want to talk. You're here, you want to help, and you want to hear, and you want to help somebody find their directions. And Okay, yeah, okay, we're lunchtime. 1245. 1235? Okay, we're wrapping. Humility. There I go. I have to stop. No. Okay, I got about five minutes or now? Okay, we'll pick it. That means now. I can, I can, you know, sobriety figures out. Thank you, Flo. So, humility and all this stuff, it just be willing to look at this stuff over and over. Don't think you got it. If I could say anything with any wisdom that I have is once you go through the steps and all this stuff and you think you got a God, it always changes. And yes, you do have your God. But be willing to look at new things. Be willing to feel it. And be willing to change and, be, and have the humility to accept the change. Because I don't think God will ever take away my character defects because then I might think I graduate. And I definitely don't want to graduate because this is my family. I mean, I love you guys so much. I'm so proud of myself. I only cried a couple times, but you know what? (laughs) It's so good. Thank you, Pat. Again, I appreciate it.